We're wrapping up this morning our sermon series that we've been in called Stuck. And uh, one of the the more frustrating things in life is when you want to go somewhere, you want to do something, or maybe you want to be something, but you just can't do that because you're stuck in a certain place. Maybe for you, uh, you you know what it's like. You want to drive home at the end of a cold day, but you can't because your truck is stuck in the mud. The tires are just spinning. Or uh, maybe for you, you, you want to go a day without having some political news, blogs, articles bombarding you, popping up everywhere, but you can't avoid it because you're stuck in the middle of an election cycle for eight more months. Does anybody else find that depressing besides me? You, you want to be a person who loves others in a way that's selfless and generous, but you can't because your, your heart is stuck. You've got this ever-present need for people's approval, which keeps you from opening up your heart, or you're afraid that you'll be rejected, and it's just you're stuck with that. You you just can't get away from that. You wander down the the hallways of your high school campus, and it's just there. You can't reach out and be a get to know people. You're just stuck with this this approval. Or, Or maybe you want to shake free from an addiction, but you just can't because you're stuck. You go back to it over and over and over again. And when you're stuck, sometimes it feels like you're a prisoner. It can feel like you're locked up, like you just, you just can't get free no matter how hard you try. The good news for us is that Jesus came so we didn't have to be stuck. Jesus said this. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. One of the big reasons that Jesus came was so that you didn't, wouldn't have to be stuck, so that you could be free. And not just free in the sense that you're free from sin and free from the penalty of sin, but the, the freedom that Jesus came to bring is actually much more comprehensive than that. He, it's a freedom where your, your heart is free from guilt and shame. You're not stuck living with with the voice of shame in your head, telling you over and over again that there's something wrong with you, that you're a mess up, that you're a failure. He came so that you could be free from that. It's a freedom where you're not enslaved to sinful, destructive ways of living. Deadly addictions, they've just lost their hold on you. Yeah, you you still mess up and you slip up from time to time, but you're not in bondage. He came to give you that kind of a freedom. It's a freedom where you have nothing to hide. You're not haunted by the thought that you're going to be found out, like this area of your life is going to be exposed. Man, that's bondage to be in that spot. But Jesus came so that you could have freedom from that. It's a freedom um, where, where your heart is free to love others and to be loved in return. Um, it's a freedom where your soul is content and at peace with who you are in Christ. It's a freedom where your life is marked more by faith than by fear. This is the kind of faith, freedom that Jesus came to bring. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? He came to bring that kind of freedom. He came so you wouldn't have to be stuck, so that you could live a life that's full of joy, purpose, peace, full of love for others. And so over the last several weeks, we've been looking at what Scripture has to say about getting from being stuck to getting unstuck, um, getting freedom in some of the areas where we tend to get stuck. And this morning what I want to do as we wrap this up is look at what, it, what does it take, what does Scripture say about 
um, not just getting unstuck, but staying unstuck. The Bible's got this great verse. It says this. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He didn't set us free just so that we could get stuck again. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. I love that last line because when you start talking about called, it's a word that's got some significance. It's got some weight. We talk about this. We we use this word called sometimes in the church to talk about how someone's called a certain direction in life. Maybe they're called to be a missionary. They're called to be a dad or they're called to be a mom. They've got a calling on their life. They're designed a certain way. God's got a plan for their their lives. They're called. Well, the Bible says that you were called to be free. You might be here this morning and come in going, man, Rich, some of the stuff that you've just talked about, I, I just feel like I'm, that's just who I am. I'm just, I'm just forever stuck in guilt, and I'm forever going to be full of shame, and I'm forever just going to be struggling with these same things in my life over and over and over and over again, because that's just who I am. God's Word says that's not who you are. God's Word says you were called to be, to be free. And uh, you, were, you're, you're, you weren't meant to live in bondage. And, you know, I know this morning that we've got, we've got a lot of smart people in the room, right? None of us wants to be free and then go back to being stuck. None of us goes, okay, yeah, God's been working my life. God's been setting me free from this, this, and that. And in two months, I'm going to get stuck again. Nobody wants to be set free and then get stuck again later on. But so often we find this is what happens in our lives. We get unstuck only to find ourselves stuck again. And so this morning what we're going to do is look at some principles in God's Word for staying unstuck. When God's Word says, stand firm in your freedom, what exactly does that look like? What does it take to to do that? And so we're going to hop around the Bible a lot today. Most of the scriptures are going to be up here on the screens. If you want, I'd even encourage you, follow along on a Bible app if you have that. And uh, we're going to dive in. When we started this series, I showed you a, a picture of my truck that I got stuck a while back. And because I'm a total sucker for humiliation, we're going to show the, the picture one more time in case you missed it. <laughs> That's my truck. I did that. I did that. Me. Um, got really stuck. Wasn't going anywhere fast. Long story how I got stuck. Well, not a long story. I was stupid. That's how I got stuck. End of story. This is stupid. But... um. I was stuck, and, and one of the reasons I got stuck is because I overestimated what my truck could do, just slightly, right? <laughs> just slightly. Ford Rangers were not designed to drive through four-foot-deep mud puddles. But I got stuck, and, and which brings us to the first uh, point this morning for staying unstuck. Don't overestimate your strength while underestimating God's. Because when you begin to underest or overestimate your strength, you begin to overestimate what you can do. You just think, yeah, I got this covered, no problem. Here I go. You'll find that eventually you just might be getting stuck. The Israelites, this group of people in the Bible, they were so prone to just getting, finding themselves stuck over and over and over again. The big story in Israel's history was the story of how God, through Moses, comes along. Israel, they've been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years and then God begins to just to set them free. And it's an awesome story about how God fights for our freedom. 
if you're here this morning, you're going, man, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm, I'm, I've got some areas in my life. We serve a God who fights for our freedom. So God comes along with the Israelites, and he begins to just uh, raise up this guy named Moses. Moses goes to, to Pharaoh, the, the leader of the Egyptians, and says, let my people go. Well, eventually, Pharaoh lets them go, and you remember all the, the plagues and all this kind of stuff that happens. And uh, Israel leaves Egypt, and they, they come to the Red Sea, and God comes along and parts the Red Sea. And uh, it would have been cool if God parted the mud puddle for me with the truck, but he didn't do it. He just kept it flat. But he parts the Red Sea, and they find themselves on the other side of the Red Sea for the first time in 400 years, free. No more slavery, no more chains, no more taskmasters from Egypt whipping them and telling them what they had to do. They are completely free. And as they're in this moment of freedom, God actually comes along and he just, he's just not interested in them being physically free. God also wants them to be free on the inside. And so he gives them this list of instructions, this list of commands and, and guidelines for them to follow that are going to keep them on the, the way to freedom, the, the way that, that God's way of living. And so God gives these instructions to Moses, and then Moses comes back down to the people, and he relays the message to the people. And listen to what happens. It says in the Bible that when Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. They might as well have said, we are going to be perfect. We're not going to mess up. We've got this. We've got it covered. They were overestimating what they could do. A better response would have been, okay, we, that's, that's, we're not familiar with this way of living that you're talking about, God, but our heart wants to follow you. We're going to do whatever we can to follow your way. Help us. Lord, we need you. But they're like, no, we got, we got this. We got this covered. And so as the story goes, Moses heads back up on the mountain to receive some more instructions. While he's gone, the people decide he's taking too long, and so they decide to take all their gold jewelry and to make this little golden calf, a little baby cow. And they, they worship the golden calf and break some of the biggest instructions that God's just given them that they just finished saying, yeah, we're going to do everything that you just asked us to do. We've got this covered. No problem, God. We're no problem. Pride goes before fall, right? They overestimated what they thought that they could do, and as a result, they end up stuck. And in this situation, they're stuck in their sin. And when we, over, when we overestimate our strength, the same thing can happen to us. And you've got to understand something. In our culture, we are the kings and queens of the world when it comes to overestimating what we can do in our own strength. We've got our plate. And we pile thousands and thousands of things on our plate. We just cram as much stuff on that plate as we possibly can. We work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And then, then on a, a day off comes around and we work another 10 hours at home. We, we try to survive on four or five hours of sleep. We try to cram 30 hours of activity into a 24-hour day. We just cram stuff. We overestimate what we can do. And a lot of times it leads to us getting stuck in stress stuck in worry, stuck in anxiety, or even maybe stuck in a destructive uh, addiction because we were too weak to say no when the temptation came along. We overestimate what we can do in our own strength, 
And when we do that, it leads to us getting stuck. And that's what's going on with the people of Israel here. They are stuck because they're overestimating what they can do. The Israelites on this journey out of Egypt, it was all about God taking them to this place called the promised land. Well, they eventually get there and they're kind of standing there on the border of the promised land and uh, Moses, he grabs 10 guys and he sends them out to spy out the land just to kind of prepare to take over the land. And when they return, the Bible says that they gave, this, gave Moses this account. They said, we went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. They're, and they, they go on to talk about how it's like for grasshoppers. And it kind of sounds like, okay, these guys are in a good spot, right? Like they're not overestimating what they can do, and uh, they've got a pretty healthy perspective on the obstacles that they're, they, they're going to be facing here. And they're going, okay, they're, they're giants, big dudes over there. But rather than having a healthy understanding of their weakness, Combined with this faith-filled understanding of God's strength, they underestimate what God is able to do. And as a result, they would end up very, very, very stuck. The Bible says that all the Israelites, when they heard the spies report, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole, whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt. Or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taking us plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And then they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They underestimate God's strength and end up frozen in fear. And as a result of it, they end up stuck, the Bible says, in the wilderness for 40 years. Going around and around in circles stuck because they underestimate what God can do. And as a follower of Jesus, one thing you're going to, you've already discovered if you've been following him for a while, but one thing you're going to discover really quickly if you're a brand new follower of Jesus is that he's going to lead you into areas that are going to require some faith. Where you're going to go, I don't know about that. That's a little bit, it's a little bit big, a little scary. Um, you know, it could be that he asks you to take a risk. It could be that, like, over the last several weeks, we've been talking a lot about how one of the, the big things that's needed in order to get unstuck is to have a heart that is vulnerable. You're opening up your heart and your life to other people, and you're going, man, that's, that's some scary stuff for me right there. It could be that, that God asks you to stop hiding that addiction and go get some help. Or it could be that he asks you to start loving courageously. And when he does, you've got to have a healthy, humble perspective on your own ability. But alongside of that, you've got to keep the right perspective on God's strength and on his ability. Don't underestimate what he can do when you, when you reach that, that point where you're, you're looking out and you're going, man, I don't know if I can do that in my own strength. That's scary. That's intimidating. Don't underestimate God's strength. What you've got to be willing to do is to step out in faith and let God do the rest. But don't underestimate what God can do. Next, if you want to stay unstuck, if you want to stay unstuck, surround yourself with people who love and care for you. And this one, I cannot overstate how huge this is in staying unstuck. You've heard me say this before. 
you will hear me say this again and again and again and again. The primary reason there is a Christ the King community church in Ferndale is not so that we can have a one-hour-long weekend event. Did you catch that? Because that flies in the face of how many, many Christians in North America view church. It's not primarily about you having a one-hour event to attend every week. It's, it's primarily so that you can have people in your life who love and care for you and will walk alongside of you as you learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it's about. And, 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 and to do that, you've got to have some people that are walking alongside of you. The right kind of people will be people who, first of all, they, they've already traveled the path that you're on and can help you avoid getting stuck. They've already traveled this path and they'll help you as they travel alongside of you. Anybody ever seen the movie The Maze Runner? came out a few years ago. Maze Runner is about this group of guys that get stuck in the middle of this maze. And so every day they send out these, these guys called maze runners who, who run through the maze and try to figure out how to, how to get unstuck from this maze that they're in. Well, anytime there's a new maze runner, they will always partner the new maze runner with an experienced maze runner so that the new maze runner won't get out in that maze and just get totally lost, lose all their, their sense of bearings, get stuck. They, 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 they put a new maze runner with an experienced maze runner so the experienced maze runner can help the new maze runner find their way back to base camp. And this, this path of life, this journey called life that, that, that we're on is kind of like a maze. It's kind of like a maze. There's pitfalls, there's ruts, there's obstacles, and you can either try to navigate the path of life yourself, or you can travel this path of life with someone who's, who's a step ahead of you on that journey, who's got some experience, who kind of knows the ruts, knows where to go, all that kind of stuff. And they don't have to be a long ways out in front of you. They just got to have been a, a little bit in front of where you've been. And I need those kind of people in my life. You need those kind of people in your life. The right kind of people that we need in our lives will also be people who, when you find yourself stuck, they are there in a hurry to help pull you out. You get stuck, they're there for you. And can I just state the obvious this morning about getting stuck? If you could get out on your own, you wouldn't be stuck. I've got a lot of experience being stuck in vehicles, as I've shared before. I have been stuck in vehicles so many times that if we were to have this series go for another two years, I have enough material to cover us, okay? <laughs> I've been stuck a lot. When my truck, that little green truck, was stuck, if I could get out on my own, I wouldn't really be stuck. But I needed to, to, to do something. I needed to call someone up, have someone come out and help me get unstuck. If you can get out on your own, then you're not really stuck. You've got to have someone who can be there in a hurry to help you get unstuck. You've got to ask someone for help. Every time I've had a vehicle stuck, that's been the same case over and over again. I have to ask someone for help. It is hard to do. It is very humbling to do. But it is absolutely essential if you're going to get unstuck. You've got to get people in your life. We need people in our lives who, who, who we can go to. Um, they know us. They're, they're people that we can be real with and they can be real with us. They know our weaknesses. They're not going to judge us. They're going to listen to us. They're going to love us. They're going to care for us. And they're going to be there at the drop of the hat whenever we get stuck 
to help pull us out. And let me just tell you, this church is full of these kind of people. It's full of them. I know a lot of people in this church, this church is full of people, come at the drop of the hat kind of people. And the question is, what are you going to do to get some of them in your life? What are you, what are you going to do? Our staff, our leadership, um, you know, part of our role, my role as, as, a, as a staff member at this church is to create a, a church and, and put processes and systems and develop small groups and small group leaders and, and ministries in our church where you can have people in your life that are going to love you and care about you and help you follow Jesus. It's our job to do that, but at some point, you've got to take initiative on your end and say, okay, I'm going to get myself in, in, in community where I'm going to be loved and cared for. You've got to take initiative on your end at some point. And then when you're in that community, you've you got to take initiative there. We have these things in our church called small groups, small groups of people that meet all over um, the community during the week for this very thing we're talking about, loving one another, caring for one another, helping one another follow Jesus. But you could be stuck in a, in, a, in a small group. You could be in a small group for two, three, four, who knows how many years and never take initiative and open up your, your life and say, hey, everybody, I need some help. I'm going through this, that, this. I'm stuck here. You've got to take initiative to get people in your life who love and care for you. And then when you, you get there, you've got to be a person that, that says, hey, I, I'm stuck and I need, I need some help. And, and this is a, a big reason why we... We need community. It's one of the reasons that God um, uh, sets us free. Um, not just so that, you, you see, we don't just need community ourselves, but God sets us free so that we can be that person for someone else, so that we can be that person who's pulling someone else out of the ditch. God doesn't just set us free for our own personal enjoyments or so that we can just have peace and feel good and all that kind of stuff. He sets us free so that we can also set others free and help pull someone else out of the ditch. You don't just need people in your life, but you also need to be that person for somebody else. I love how the message paraphrases Galatians 5. It says this. It says, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. It's clear. You're called to be free. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. And this is the part I want you to catch. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows, for everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence, love others as you love yourself. And I love how um, the message puts this last line here, that's an act of true freedom. When you can love others as you love yourself, that's an act of true freedom. I was talking to this guy this morning in one of the previous services, and he was just telling me about how over the last several years, God has just set him free from one thing after another thing after another thing, and he's just in this really cool spot in life. And then he went on to share about how he was in like a small group, a men's group, and he was in, as he was in that group, he was able to talk about how God had set him free from this and this and share that with these guys and watch as God uses his life to set others free. If he wasn't free, he wouldn't be sharing about the stuff that he'd been struggling with because he'd be too ashamed, he'd be too embarrassed, he'd be too stuck. But because God has set him free, he's able to serve others with his story. He's been unstuck. And so he tells these guys, this is what God's been doing in my life. 
Isn't that, I mean, that's, that, that's a true act of freedom, using your freedom to serve others. You need to have people in your life, life who love and care about you, but you also need to be that person for somebody else. And maybe you're going this morning, okay, Rich, that sounds really good. What in the world? I have no idea how to do that. It's super simple. Every time, every weekend, a program is available for you. In this program is one of these little blue cards. All you've got to do is fill out a connection card and say name, contact information, big space right here. It says prayers or comments. And all you've got to put is, I need some people in my life. Or just put, let's make it even simpler, need people. Or let's make it even simpler. Let's just put people, please. I, I don't know. It's, but you fill that out, and we will, someone's going to contact you and just begin to have the conversation. Let you know what's going on around here. Let you know about how you can just begin to get connected in community. We need people in our lives. And the next thing, if you want to stay unstuck, abide in God's word, letting the truth keep you and set you free. Jesus said this. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That word abide, you don't usually use the word abide a lot, but, but the, that word abide, it speaks about uh, someone who's continuing in something. They're holding on to something. They're remaining in something. And, and in this context, it's talking, context is talking about someone who is, who is just holding fast to God's word. Someone who's, you're abiding in God's word. You're not letting God's word go because God's word is life to you. You're, you're, you're someone who's, who's pushing through tiredness and fatigue to get into God's word. You're someone who's pushing through all the chaos of your life. You got, you got small kids running around and you just got lots going on in your schedule, but you're, 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 you're abiding in God's word. You're holding fast to God's word. You're not letting all this other stuff crowd God's word out. And when you do that, you're, you're, you're hearing truth. God's truth is getting in you and it's, it's bringing freedom and it's keeping you free, the truth of God's word. I love what the writer of Psalm 119 says. It says this, I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts. Abiding in God's word and his truth will help you stay unstuck. And then lastly this morning, keep your identity firmly established in God's love for you. Keep it firmly established in God's love for you. Because when you start losing your sense of, okay, this is how God sees me. God sees me as loved. God sees me as his son or his daughter. When you, when you lose sight of that, you start going to all kinds of other stuff that gets you stuck. Fear, sin, I mean, we go on and on. But when you understand, okay, this is, this, this is how God sees me. He, he loves me. You, you get the gospel. You, you get that Jesus loves you, that, that he laid down his life for you. Even when you didn't deserve it, he laid down his life for you. When you understand that, and, and then you get that it gets even more amazing that when you, when you put your faith and trust in him, when you turn from your sin and you turn to him, when you do that, like we sang about this morning, he just, he just keeps lavishing his love on you. And he accepts you. Even though he knows everything about you, he knows all the bad you've ever done, he knows 
He knows all the, the bad things you're ever going to do. He, he knows you in and out. He doesn't change anything. He loves you like crazy. He adores you. He sees you as his son, his daughter, and, and that's never going to change. And when your identity is rooted in that, you know, we sing this song that simply, the chorus goes like this, I'm loved by you, that's who I am. And when your identity is rooted in that, it will keep you from going to that stuff that will get you stuck time and time again. I love how one author puts it, puts it like this. This is the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to bring. Paul said that this gospel is the power of God for salvation, not just salvation in the eternal sense, but also salvation in the everyday sense. The gospel It saves me from my pride, the kind of pride that keeps me wearing a mask, pretending to be someone who's better than I actually am, rather than drop the mask, expose my sin, and allow grace, healing, freedom to flow into my life. The gospel, it it comes in like a wrecking ball and destroys the addiction to porn or alcohol or materialistic living because when I live in the reality that Jesus loves me, Despite the ugly, hideous nature of my sin, I am both devastated and I'm drawn into his loving arms. The gospel, it saves me from living a self-centered life because when I cling to the cross as the greatest and costliest sacrifice one person has ever made for another, I feel myself compelled to go and do the same. The gospel, it saves me from living the cowardly life of a people pleaser. Because when I understand that God accepts me and approves me as a beloved son or daughter, the need for others' approval slowly fades away. It's the gospel that saves. Center your life around the gospel. Wrap it in the amazing grace, steadfast love, sin-conquering death, and life-giving resurrection of Jesus. Because it's there that you will find salvation for your soul, freedom from your chains, and blessing for your life. Wrap your life around the truth of the gospel. A God who loves you so much gave his life for you even when you were considered a sinner, an enemy of God. He gave his life for you so that you could have life because he loves you that much. Wrap your life around that. You'll stay unstuck. And so this morning, I don't know what God is speaking to you about in your life, but Let him get you to a place where you're free. You were called. You are called to freedom. And maybe for you this morning, you don't, you're going, I don't know what that takes. Maybe, maybe for you, a simple next step is just after the service is done, you visit our guests, our our prayer ministry team down here, and you say, I just need help. I'm stuck. I need help. I don't even know what to do. And let them pray for you. Maybe it's it, it for you, you. You need to get people in your life. You need to have people surround you who love you and care about you. And maybe for you, that's grabbing that connection card and just going, okay, I'm going to make that happen. See where that goes. I'm going to take a step of faith here. What do you got to do? Don't be stuck. Don't, Don't live your life stuck. Don't live your life with the tires just spinning and just settling for that being your lot in life. You are called to be free. And Jesus came so that you could have freedom, so that you could be unstuck, so that you could experience the life that he came to bring. Let's uh, wrap up our service this morning by, by praying together. Let's pray. 
Lord, your word is just so full of good news. It's so full of truth. Lord, what an amazing truth it is that you have called each person that's sitting in this room this morning. You have called us to be free. You've designed us to be free. Lord, part of our purpose in life is to be free. And Lord, I pray, Jesus, that if there's anybody here this morning that has just gotten stuck in a place of hopelessness, they've settled for the lie that their life is always going to be one of captivity, being stuck, being chained up with these different areas that they struggle in. I pray this morning that, that, Lord, the truth of your word would just bring life. It would bring hope. It would just cause a, a seed of life to begin to grow in their heart where they, they just begin to go, okay, yeah, I, I want freedom. Yes, it can happen for me. And may they just begin to run to you, Jesus. May they begin to run to you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would help us to just walk in your freedom. Lord, help us to be people that don't, don't just take that freedom and just, just enjoy it for ourselves. Lord, may we be a church, church that takes the freedom that you've given us to help set other people free. May we never be a church that, that drives by that person that's stuck on the side of the road stuck in shame, stuck in guilt, stuck in sin, and just keeps on going. But God, may we be the church that stops and helps pull them out. Lord, help us be that church. Help us be a church that serves others. God, that helps others get free. Help us be that, I pray. Lord, I just, Lord, we love you so much. We trust you so much. Our hope, everything that we have is in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.